Welcome to episode number 16 of Where Wine Takes You, a podcast all about the people, the wine, the vibe of Paso Robles wine country. It is unmistakable. It is one of a kind. It is why you and I are here together right now. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Today, we have a fun, fun show, one that's really illustrative of what a small world it is, especially when you're talking about Paso wine. Both these brands we're going to talk about today have made newsworthy changes in the way of maybe acquisition or some exciting changes within the brand. And these brands, stories, and guests, even you're going to hear will interconnect a bunch. It's really cool. And not only like, wow, a small world, but it's also very emblematic of what a tight-knit situation we have here within the wine industry. we got one winery from the west side, one winery from the east side, but just like gangster rap, we put those arms down, east versus west, a long, long time ago. We will introduce you to King Thompson. He is the managing director of Robert Hall Winery, a fantastic brand on Paso's east side that has made some exciting strides. And one of those I'm most intrigued by is this term we heard before called regenerative farming. If you remember, we heard it when we chatted with Jason Haas of Tablas Creek in Episode number eight. Encourage you to go back to that. We got the news that we were the first winery in the world to be regenerative organic certified. So the idea basically is that um, you're trying to farm in a way that reverses a lot of the environmental impact of industrial life. So you're trying to farm in a way that pulls carbon out of the atmosphere and fixes it in the soil. You're trying to farm in a way that reduces the input that you need of limited resources like water or fertilizer or things like that. It's basically being set up to be kind of a new gold standard in sustainable farming where you take the elimination of chemicals from organics, the focus on soil health and biodiversity from biodynamics, add that pillar of resource use reduction, so carbon capture, move towards dry farming, move towards no-till, then add those pillars of farm worker fairness and animal welfare. Also, that was the first time we had a chef on the show with uh, Julian Aseo and La Petite Canaille. Well, Robert Hall is into some pretty incredible stuff in the same way, this regenerative farming. And we're going to dive into what that means and how it affects the wine in your glass. Now, if you've been on the West Side and you've seen that sweet looking castle, that's my friends at Tooth and Nail Winery. I've always said to find Tooth and Nail, hit the 46 West, it's the first castle on the right. Many take the 46 to get to Hearst Castle on Highway 1. You could say the Central Coast now has two iconic castles, and I will tell you, only one has a freaking moat, and it's not Hearst. Tooth and Nail is a fun brand, making great wines and offering fantastic hospitality. They also have some cool, exciting, and newsworthy things to share with us. And I always love breaking bread, sharing wine with my friend Jeremy Leffert. He's their winemaker. He's just a good dude. Both of these gentlemen are. And you're going to hear just a love fest here, which is so cool. Kane of Robert Hall actually used to be the boss here, the GM, at Tooth and & Nail. And it's the first time he's been back to the castle since he departed. So, Everyone was just really excited to see him. And that was really, really cool to see. So yeah, we are at the first castle on the right. I show up, the gentlemen are already catching up and I just had a birthday and found out uh, of the three of us, I'm the old man in the group among these young and successful bucks. Uh, 
Give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. You're giving us a voice, though, man. You're giving us a voice. <laughs> no one know about us. <laughs> Oh, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. I love this. So much fun. Uh, the dynamic here is really exciting because as I was showing up and setting up, it was cool to see because we, we got Kane Thompson here, who's, who's the managing director of Robert Hall, but you were the general manager here at Tooth & Nail, where we happen to be uh, now. You were here for a long time. I mean, you were here for a while, and it's like, you, this this changes here. Jeremy's still the winemaker here at Tooth & Nail, but it was cool to see everyone's coming up to you like, oh my God, Kane, how you been? That must have felt really neat. Yeah, it felt great. I mean, the rabble, Tooth & Nail, massive part of my life, uh, three, three and a half years, and the team here it means the world to me, so it's just great to connect with everyone and see everyone and see yeah everyone doing well the brand doing well and it's just been a yeah really fun ride particularly in the last six months now if you haven't been to tooth and nail i've always called it the first castle on the right and when you drive up it's this beautiful swirling driveway that takes you up onto the hill where this just gorgeous castle that the folks who own tooth and nail have done such a great job because remember this was a another winery that had this castle probably like in the early 2000s or maybe like 2005 2006 ish and it was was just the way they decorated it and did it it just didn't fit it just it didn't screen pass so it just but the way you guys have kind of adopted this what you've done to it is so cool and it's so welcoming and people really really have dug it over the last uh, several years that tooth and nail has been inhabiting the castle what was it like to drive up and make that same drive that you used to so many <laughs> yeah, times no, totally really really cool yeah, really cool to be back here and to be long haired side by side with jeremy and to catch up with rob the owner just previously and yeah it's just great filled with good people good yeah. memories just great, yeah. great company we're going to talk about uh, your new journey with Robert Hall we're going to drink some of the wines uh, Jeremy is here the winemaker for Tooth and Nail you brought some wines how has it been for you what's been going on how you been I've been good Adam thanks um, yeah it's been a, a a fun fun past few months yeah so exciting news here um, as of December you know we we sold one of our brands Rabble to O'Neill, which is super exciting for us. It's something we've been uh, working towards for many years. Um, And with that, we've got a brand new line of wines coming out for the market um, under the Tooth & Nail brand. So it's going to be a much more cohesive kind of portfolio, a more fatigue stasis still at the top, and now Tooth & Nail is going to have several more wines. I've actually brought a mock-up to show you guys. Oh, cool. And we just, coming out of 2020, which, you know, had its challenges for everybody, but from a winemaking perspective, I'm really, really excited about the quality from the vintage. My team, we just had a fantastic time together over Harvest. And, you know, I'm a big cultural person when it comes to winemaking. It was the most fun I've ever had. Is that right? That's cool. Yep. Even with, you know, new safety measures, obviously, and things like that with with COVID, right? But um, just everything was firing on all cylinders, and we had some great new blood in the cellar for, you know, seasonal interns and things like that. So when you're making wine and then part of that, you know, allocation gets acquired by another brand, you're no longer making that wine anymore, right? No. So does that mean that your desk got a little bit, you know, a lot less papers and a lot less wine, a lot less barrels? I mean, has your job become a little bit easier in the meantime until you ramp up that tooth and nail production? Mm, no. No. Because I'm finding other things to 
to stay busy with, you know, as far as like top level planning and 20,000 foot view of the company and working with Ted, our director of sales, you know, it's, it's fun. And also it's, it's actually alleviated some management of the wines because there's less of it to manage, but also I am much more focused now on certain elements of the winemaking, which I'm really just trying to inch and elevate quality every year. Kane, you yeah. brought a Robert Hall Cavern Select. This is a beautiful sparkling Grenache blog. Talk about this wine for a second. Yeah, so the Cavern Select, Robert Hall Cavern Select range is our uh, DTC range. So it's not available anywhere else apart from uh, the tasting room. Really limited production, 100 to 500 cases per skew, and really interesting varieties that make up that uh, range. So it gives our winemakers a chance to produce like, incredible wines from all of the 11 different AVAs from Paso. So we source from all 11 AVAs. Uh, this is the first time we've done a, a, a sparkling in a traditional uh, metho uh, champenois style. We use Grenache Blanc because the uh, passer retains the acidity with Grenache Blanc, and which is really important for making great uh, sparkling wine. You see in the great wine regions of the world where uh, sparkling is made, it's always a variety that retains its acidity, which we think Grenache Blanc does really well. It's available at uh, Tasting room, tasting room only. For folks who have not been, Robert Hall, it's on the east side of Paso. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful, sprawling property. It's um, right near the epitheater. Right next door. Yeah. Yes. yeah. How are you guys doing your tastings and yeah, stuff Yeah, sure. Yeah, great question. So we've got a lot of uh, projects in the works uh, out of Robert Hall, which is really, uh, really exciting. We've got a new chef, Michael Leonard, that's joined the joined the team. So if you come up for a tasting, one of the options now is to have a, a five-course seasonal tasting menu prepared. So with one of each uh, with our wines, so you have five wines and five seasonal organic dishes prepared uh, from our chef. And so it's really cool because you get to taste um, some of the flavors and cuisine from Paso. So beside uh, paired with our wines so that's really cool uh, secondly we've got the, the world's first uh, comparative uh, regenerative farming study uh, underway at Robert Hall so we're farming uh, regeneratively uh, viticulture side by side with sustainable uh, viticulture and tracking all those differences in terms of what's involved with uh, the two different farming techniques over a three year period uh, to see the effects on soil uh, microbiology, uh, pest and disease yield, cost of farming and overall uh, wine quality uh, over time so it's really interesting we've opened it up to uh, it's not just a Robert Hall study, uh, the trades welcome, industry is welcome uh, customers are welcome to come on this journey where we have like bi-monthly uh, field days uh, to learn about uh, biodynamic and regenerative farming. And so the consultant that's helping with this, uh, with this project is a guy called Philip uh, Amenier, originally out of Chateauneuf de Pape, been farming this way for 40 years. Just an incredible guy to help. It's interesting because the first time I heard that term, regenerative farming, it was during a conversation we had on this podcast with Jason Haas of Tablas Creek. And, you know, as you know, they've always been you know, tr as progressive as they, they can with their farming practices and practicing biodynamics and things like that. So I love to kind of get to, to dig deep into, again, defining what regenerative farming is because a lot of times we hear of sustainable farming yeah, and, totally. and and trying to kind of be as neutral mm -hmm. as we can to mm -hmm. give back at least what we're taking out. Yeah. I think you're almost talking about almost uh, being like a net benefit. Yeah, totally. That's exactly what regenerative farming means. It's like, how do we do more than just sustain our land? How do we make it better? So to start with, like you remove herbicides uh, out of the system. So you're not uh, applying Roundup or weed killers. Uh, you remove pesticides. So you're not applying... Uh, insecticides to, to kill 
pests and bugs. You're using a, another way through nature. And then you're using uh, biodynamic and organic techniques to uh, farm in this way. But the big difference between organic and biodynamic farming compared to regenerative is you're having this conversation uh, about carbon. And how do we pull carbon out of the atmosphere by uh, cover cropping, uh, farming our soil, creating more biology, more of a living soil, composting within the vineyards, uh, cover cropping, so you're growing uh, matter between your vines that's uh, pulling carbon out of the atmosphere. So you're actually, uh, and then the carbon gets pulled down uh, by the plant uh, within the cover crop uh, and then gets rotated back into the soil to pull that carbon down to make it available for your vine. And so it's a way of farming that is doing more than sustaining. It's regenerating plus removing carbon out of the atmosphere uh, as well. So I find it just fascinating because you can make great wine, but at the same time you can do so much good as well. And I think people can rally behind that uh, as, a, as, as a cause and a movement. Now, sometimes, you know, making these decisions, they aren't always inexpensive decisions. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really takes an investment yeah. from a brand to dive deep into this. And I, I've just known this conversation from talking, quote unquote, sustainable farming, yeah. you know, or yeah. being subcertified, yeah. or, mm-hmm. or I know you guys are California mm-hmm. uh, sustainable. Is that even even deeper when you start talking about uh, regenerative farming? Because it's probably a, a big investment. Yeah, so it's, uh, that's part of the what the project's looking at as well is what are what are the cost differences and the idea is about to give industry some of those answers say hey, if I'm going to farm this way it's going to cost an extra five hundred dollars an acre or it's going to cost the same who knows we right. don't, we, we don't know like it's kind of exciting to be on the, the cool. forefront of this yeah, in a way cool because you remove one thing and so you're doing another and so what's the impact of that uh, and then that cost goes back to what's the environmental cost right so sure yeah. it might it might cost us an extra $200 an acre to farm that way. I don't know what that cost is going to be, but yeah, that just might be worth it. It's a great right? point. Like, what At what cost do we keep farming in a particular way that yeah. is uh, impacting our soils, our health, our vines? Yeah. So it's, it, it's what I love about it opens up a dialogue of much larger conversation about uh, about sustaining vineyards, regenerating vineyards, and just doing good. Yeah. Ken Thompson is the uh, managing director for Robert Hall. Don Brady's the winemaker over there. Yeah, and Amanda Gort is the uh, also one of the winemakers, and she's really been leading this project. She's cool. been uh, hugely passionate about sparkling wines of the world, toured all through Champagne, all uh, through some of the other wine-growing uh, regions um, where sparkling is um, sparkling is made. Spain and Alsace um, as well. Let's uh, get into what Tooth and Nail, uh, how they're serving uh, their fans uh, at this time. Obviously, you have a sprawling terrace. Tons of square footage outdoors. And people can feel open and safe and distanced. I mean, like, I don't even think people, I'm looking at a bunch of customers on the other side of the terrace. I don't think they can hear me right now. I mean, it's so distant. It's so cool. And uh, people are tasting. And I know you guys have always been known for your live music. And I understand there's a, a desire to figure out a way to bring it back. Yeah, and actually, as of this week we found out that you know small uh live music is is good to go now um outdoors here in Paso Robles so we'll be starting that soon um but yeah what we've got is we've got outdoor tastings our staff is absolutely dialed hospitality wise we have wonderful customer service here and everything's safe and chef Ashley Reese has got a kind of new winterish spring menu that we're uh, tasting some today. You guys are available. also doing food in a very like deliberate this is not just like past little teeny you know little spotty things these are I mean these are little mini meals. Yeah and so 
Ashley develops this uh, um, with in keeping the wines in mind so that they're very versatile dishes um, and snacks that people can share. How would you describe this chicken thing, this Vietnamese chicken thing? It is so good, but I don't want to do it in in justice. This this reminds me of those pork buns that you can get at Momofuku. Yeah, babun. Yeah, but of course it's chicken. Yeah, and there's no no pork inside of it. No. Like you normally you have it, you eat it and the stuff would be inside. Yep. And then this, it's like, it's almost used as like the breading of like a little pocket. Or a little like it's like dumpling material. Yeah, right, right, right. So, right. And at mm-hmm. Momofuku, mm-hmm. you get these pork ones mm-hmm. with the carrot and the pickled. Um, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's delicious. And it's she really, just nailed it. The, yeah. the, the crispiness really on the chicken and like the Vietnamese stuff on top, like the spices and the oh, and the pickle. Yeah. Oh, it's so and what good. she's doing is super fun because it's not like oh, you have to have this wine with it. It's like she makes food that is very friendly and approachable and works with. A ton of different wine. Now, let's talk about this idea, kind of um, putting together so someone can understand why we have both of you guys here today. Both of your brands have been uh, in the news with the acquisition. We touched on it a little bit in the beginning. And I was just kind of piecing together as I was setting up, like, okay, so the the brand that acquired, the company that acquired Rabble is a company called O'Neill. And they are the ones that actually own Robert Hall. So, yeah, correct. Correct. Okay, so I'm, I am putting it together correctly. You are putting it together 100% correctly. But what it does provide uh, for Anil is a new cool brand within the within the portfolio for our sales team and marketing team to get behind and another significant investment by O'Neill uh, and Jeff O'Neill uh, into, into Paso. We believe in this place. Uh, we've been here for a considerable amount of time and we, uh, we've got good things coming uh, for this area from uh, from O'Neill through the uh, yeah. brands we've acquired. So. Now, the podcast is called Where Wine Takes You. Kane, when I first met you, it was probably a few years ago yeah. when, when you were with Tooth & Nail. Uh, your accent's Texas, right? Yeah. yeah a little <laughs> south of Texas, a little south of the border. Um, yeah. Talk about where you're from. Yeah, sure. And where wine has taken you and how it brought you to Paso. Yeah, um, born and raised in New Zealand, actually. So it's uh, a lot of people think Australian uh, or South African. Is that the most annoying one uh, at all? It's kind of like when, as an American, um, uh, someone says, oh, you must be, are you from Canada? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grew up down in New Zealand. Um, There's a lot of Kiwi A lot of Kiwi folks here. And yeah. And, yeah. There's only uh, four, four and a half million Kiwis, but at one time, there's a million of them overseas. Is that right? So it's a, um, very much a traveling culture and nation. And um, yeah, they'd like to get out and spread their wings. And uh, even though it's a flightless bird, the Kiwi. Um, That's right. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, started my, uh, went to school and did undergrad and uh, in, in horticulture and viticulture and started out driving a tractor in a vineyard uh, for a small wine company and wanted to be a vineyard manager and worked my way out to vineyard manager and then company viticulturalist and did my MBA because I always had the long-term dream of uh, running a wine company and uh, started my own company down there, precision agriculture company and viticulture company using sensors and GPS to you know, map vineyards and map disease and um, and anyway, a, a role came up. We kept that company and grew that. And a role came up to run a wine company down in New Zealand called Pyramid Valley as uh, as manager, managing director. And it was a um, company specializing in natural wine, biodynamics, organics, um, kind of before it was really cool. Um, this was probably 12 years ago. Um, and got the role and uh, was there for about f- uh, almost four, four and a half years. And we ended up selling that company to a U.S. A US company. So I sold to a U.S. company. Yeah, my wife was pregnant with our uh, with our first child. She's like, I really want to go uh, move back to the U.S. and um, 
I said, well, hey, I'm, I'm down, but like, really arrogantly I said, hey, I'd love to work for the like, the best if I could. And she's like, well, I've got a friend that knows a guy. This guy's called Dave Finney. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, Dave Finney needs um, someone from New Zealand to tell him how to run a wine company. <laughs> um, anyway, um, we sent him a resume and had an interview with him. And he's like, yeah, I've got this thing, this Aaron Swift, and I've got locations, and I'm going to make wine all over the world, and it's getting big, and need someone to um, help run that. And I think you'd be perfect to run it as general manager. And I was like, yeah, I think I'd be you know, totally up for the challenge. So we moved family across, uh, was with Dave and uh, locations, and Dave Finney and locations for yeah, three and a half years. And we grew that, um, scaled it, and sold it to Gallo, actually. Um, and then I was kind of looking for the next gig, and uh, looked at a number of different things and opportunities, and didn't really find anything for um, in terms of anything I wanted to jump jump into. And then uh, I met Rob uh, through, through a recruiter. He was looking for someone as the president to run Rabbit Wine Company and to grow it and scale it. And... Um, yeah, position it really. Yeah, position it, and um, here for yeah, three and a half years, growing alongside Jeremy. And it's so interesting that you you know you have this this passion. You've you've been on the tractor. You have you mm. know experience as a vineyard manager and a viticulturalist. But you you wanted you kind of that almost that wasn't enough. You loved that aspect of it, but you really wanted to kind of oversee things yeah, on, on a bigger way. That's it. I I remember being out in the vineyard, um, and I saw the CEO right, like driving in his big car and flying all over the world. Ah, oh, I was driving the track, and I was like, "Man, I'd love to be that guy mm-hmm. one day to to do that." And I remember talking to him. He's like, "Hey, it's not all like flying around the world and like on planes and exotic islands, um, like sipping wine everywhere." And um, I got to experience that through wine. That that life of running wine companies, traveling all over the world, wine has taken me, um, and it's 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 amazing. Um, but it certainly isn't like just sitting in cocktail lounges and on sure. islands um, sipping wine it's a, a significant business and so many different aspects of the business yeah. how do you stay connected to the vineyard these well, days yeah that's uh, I've been um, involved in farming all my life and really passionate about sustainable and biodynamic and regenerative farming and through uh, Robert Holland uh, uh, O'Neill um, I've been allowed to do this project where it's allowed me to personally get connect back to the land and this way to do good through some of my learnings and backgrounds but on a grander scale like O'Neill's a big wine company one of the one of the largest in the country and they're so open and innovative and uh, fast thinking and they're a force to be reckoned with and Jeff O'Neill is like an amazing leader Jeremy speaks about culture and yeah, Jeff like lives and breathes it. and this company is just growing so quick and giving people the license to do the things that matter to them and that, that they care about and sustainability for O'Neill is one of those things so it's yeah. been a natural progression for me to help bring that to Robert Hall and also the O'Neill, O'Neill team that's really cool I loved listening to that that background I mean I feel like I knew a little bit of it but I think I got a, even bit more of a taste on like what you know what you're about and thus what ended up bringing you to Paso I think Paso yeah. is really lucky to have you oh thank you I feel lucky to be here I think this is this region is uh, so cool so innovative how do you compare it to other ones like to, to one country yeah, in New Zealand or yeah, some of the other ones that you're familiar yeah, with? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, it's got, I feel like it's got all the elements um, at, of great climate, great soils, amazing people. Then there's this innovative spirit here and freedoms that just resonates with me a lot. So I haven't really seen that freedom because a lot of the wine regions that I've been involved in, whether that's Marlborough or Hawke's Bay or... Um, 
the uh, South Island of uh, New Zealand or Napa, they're restricted by what they're trying, where they think they need to be. So whether like in Hawke's Bay, they're trying to do like Bordeaux-style rats, and so they're trying to like fly this like Bordeaux flag. Marlborough's like this, okay, we're doing Savion Blanc, that's what we do. Whereas Paso's like, hey, we do Cabernet great, we do Rhone Reds great, yeah. Rhone Whites are incredible. We can do whatever we want because we've got this license to, to do it. We don't have to plant Cabernet because it's going to get $10,000 a ton because we kind of can't plant anything else. Yeah. So there's this freedom as a, uh, as a young person to really do something special here a lot easier than what it is in a lot of other wine regions in the world which is why it attracts some of the best people to this area like Jeremy here. Yeah, I mean some of the best people is right. Jeremy, I mean you have known you for many many years and the people here and it's like and he's right. I mean like you've been so cool to me. We've had some of the best conversations and yeah. out to the best dinners and we've had some great times. The people in Paso are like this just secret ingredient that even though yes we're world class wine, even though yeah we can grow you know 40 or 50 different types of varietals to world class levels. I mean the people here are just so that that quan that brings it all together huh the quan mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah i i love it Paso Robles is is my home now um i've been working here my whole career but kind of kane touched on which is so special is that you know we're getting all this recognition for growing all these incredible wines not just one variety which is allowing us to do whatever we want and i think you know Fruit cost isn't driving anything like that, you know? It's Cabernet or Grenache are still fetching high dollar mm-hmm. all over the place. Yeah. You know? I was uh, I was visiting a, a vineyard site that was on um, Pritchard Hill in Napa. Before I was going in, this was in the winter of 2014, it was the last hillside that was going to get planted, and we were up on top. The soil looked like dog food. It was incredible. And it was this spot called the Diving Board. And I was like, oh my, this north face, northeast facing site, I was like, you've got to plant Grenache here. And he's like, are you crazy? No, it's Cabernet. Yeah. Can't so, afford not to grow Cabernet. Whereas in Pastor Robles, you could be standing on a site and wanted to plant Grenache and you'd plant Grenache. Yeah. So different. You never think and of it like that. Yeah, and the, yeah, building on that as well, what is so special about um, this region is that, yeah, we can do all these different wonderful things, but also at the core of who we are, like Cabernet, uh, red blends, we can we can do them from a quality perspective because we're not paying like hundreds of thousands of dollars per acre for that land. We can produce very, very high quality Cabernet, the red blend that speak of this place, and, and do it at $20 a bottle. And, yeah. uh, and way over yeah. deliver and so so we love making these cool and different varietals and like Kevin Slate range and some of the wines Jeremy's talking about with Stasis and Morphe Tea but a lot of these wines don't get mm. out of uh, Paso or California and so what's I know this excites Jeremy as well and it does for me and the team at Robert Hall is that how do we make great wine on a, a larger volume as well so people in where Jeremy's from, Minnesota, in Maine, can access like a, a $20 bottle of Cabernet, $20 bottle of uh, Red Blend, and be like absolutely blown away by it. With the, it's hard to get through that in Napa. Yeah. And the best part about working here also at the, uh, on that note is that, you know, a $20 bottle of wine for some people might be a stretch. And those folks deserve high quality wine just as much as anyone else. Sure. Mm-hmm. And we're able to deliver it here. 
And I love how Kane touched on over-delivering, and that's what mm-hmm. so many brands mm-hmm. are able to do here is you can have, you know, a cab, at, you know, for 22 bucks, yeah. and it's going to drink like a $40, $45 bottle of cab. Savvy. You know, yeah. it's super cool, that Paso, yeah. and the brands here can do just that. Uh, Jeremy, where was the, the journey, the roads that, uh, that wine took you to bring you to Paso and to bring you here? Uh, let's see. I'm a California native, but was raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's a weird yeah. dynamic. I can't even imagine. I mean, just like I grew up, you know, in Southern California and never probably lived further than 20 minutes from a beach. Oh, yeah. And it's funny. You go on different vacations, different elevations. And like your body tells you, well, you're not meant to be here. Right. So you lived in Minnesota. So, yeah. So and I, I spent summers uh, all growing up, you know, backpacking and canoeing, you know, in the Boundary Waters or, you know, sailing in Lake Superior. It, East Coast, West Coast, you know, through a summer camp and really fell in love with the natural world. And when I was about 14, I was backpacking in the Adirondacks in New York and hopped across the lake, found ourselves in Burlington, Vermont for July 4th. I was like, wow, this is a really cool town. They have an environmental studies, natural history program. I want to go to college there. So I'm the youngest in my family. I moved to Burlington, Vermont, where I studied environmental studies at UVM. Go Catamounts. And then at that moment, my family moved back to California, to Santa Barbara. So I did my studies there, wanted to be a park ranger. and I think you'd be a good park ranger. I probably would be pretty good. I think so. (laughs) You'd be a great one. And uh, anyway, so I needed a job. And in my various travels to Santa Barbara, seeing my family, I met this wonderful group of folks who worked at Trader Joe's. Called Caroline, who was a manager, and said, hey, Caroline, I'm moving to California. Can you give me a job? And she said, yeah, you could start working as soon as you get here at the Milpas store in Santa Barbara. And I was like, great. So I started working there. That's where I met my wife. Um, she trained me. And she has not completed training me yet. <laughs> 16 years later. Work anyway, in progress. Um, and we started doing these in-store wine tastings. They were educating us about wines and how to sell wine. And I was just like, this is super interesting. So, uh, you know, I was making $10 an hour, so I saved some money and bought some textbooks on Amazon about viticulture and went back to school and moved up to Slow and went to Cal Poly for a, a master's program in ag crop science. Wow. And then just to make sure, you know, a vineyard manager was what I wanted to be, I took a harvest job working in the cellar for Chris TG back in the Four Vines days. No way. And that was, you know, punk rock, pedal to the metal. Oh, sure. And we're talking, you know, the Wild. Anarchy Wines. It was awesome. Zen Bitch back in the day. Yeah. Of course. And, and I was just, I just was pedal to the metal for over a decade. Still am. Like, hardworking. No winemaking background. I had some wonderful teachers and sellers. You know, we had a consultant at Hearst, brought me up, held my hand through like three vintages, and was really, was working harvest hours for about 10 years. And then somewhere along there in 2009, 2010, I met Rob Murray, who founded Tooth & Nail Wine Company. And in 2015, they needed a winemaking team put together. So I came on board and helped grow it to where we are today. And still to this day, it's, you know, wine is one of those things. You know, I don't prescribe to that. It takes a lot of beer to make wine. That's that's not my style. That's too cliche. Well, and it's not true. Yeah. I drink... I study and drink wine as ravenously as I did almost 20 years ago. Well, one thing I like about you is the times that I've got a chance to like go out and like eat with you, go to a restaurant, you were always uh, 
teaching me to like go outside your comfort zone. Like look at like we're looking at a wine list together, and I remember the first time like we're at, I think foremost, you know, and it was like, yeah. oh, you, you got to check out this crazy Tempranillo. They got this fucking Tempranillo. That I think is really cool. Or, and I don't know. I, I've always kind of taken that with me, and I think that's a really exciting thing to do. I know that you love to get out and, and drink the world whenever you're looking at like, at a wine list, not yeah, just passive. Yeah, not just and it was stuff. one of those things like you know because I was coming up. And I was in grad school. I was listening to Wine Library TV, you know, Gary V. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. The, every day I watched sure. that, right? And we would talk on the phone and stuff every once in a while. Believe it or not, he would actually call me when I would email You would him. talk to Gary V? Yes, which is wild. That's how good the customer service was back then. Because <laughs> I was going to be in Jersey, and I wanted to meet him. Yeah. And it... I called and he picked up. It was anyway. So that was that's crazy. That was the whole. Considering how huge he is now, yeah. And wine is any second anyway. Mm -hmm. Taking the pretension out of wine and just learning yourself and trusting your palate was stuff that I believed back then and still do today. And it's it's the the flag that I fly. The emotions that are you know coursing through your veins during harvest, the the season, all of that. Your team is locked in those bottles. It hasn't been many years, but there was a, a few vintages where I was really stressed out and was really busy and uh, didn't have enough resources. Thankfully, it was not here. And you feel you could taste that in the wine? Yeah, and there was another vintage where I was um, angry. You feel you could taste it in the wine? I, yeah. It's so interesting because I've said this, and, and Audrey has said this, happy wine comes from a happy cellar. Or she always says, happy eggs come from happy chickens. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about happy food comes from a happy kitchen. Yep. And happy wine mm-hmm. comes from a happy mm-hmm. cellar. And mm-hmm. my cellar is, mm-hmm. the people down there are just magic. We're like a family. And I think that that love and that respect and that care for each other, and of course the product... It matters. Yeah. Paso is an exciting place because as, you know, both of your journeys and different times have taken you to wine regions and met people in the wine business that are not from Paso, I think it, it helps you kind of even understand and wrap your head even more what is so special about somebody who, who is from Paso and chooses to make their home here. The vibe here, the people, mm-hmm. the, the scene that just kind of bites you and charms you and and brings you back here, whether it's if to live here, to second house here, to visit here every time you can. It's really cool yeah it's got a down home kind of vibe to it yeah yeah totally and i think like people coming from la or um, san francisco the bay area a lot of our visitors are coming from paso what you don't get in a lot of those wine regions and you do here in paso is that you will very very rarely meet winemaker an owner a general manager even any of the cellar crew when you go to taste wine in, in napa or sonoma or other wine regions of the world but in paso there's a highly, very high chance that yeah, you'll better meet the winemaker if you don't like talk to him like behind the behind the bar. Mm-hmm. The owner will be like in the in the vineyards that you can go up and like talk to and and, and see. And so I think there's a uh, there's a charm of that um, that is so authentic that, uh, that accessibility. Yeah. I also think that Pass Robles as a whole has done such a great job with just elevating the customer experience. And people really expect that. And they want to make a whole day out of it and only go to a couple wineries rather than like, you know, power tasting through. And I think the. Good point. I love when winemakers are tasting wines, Ken. I'm watching you, Jeremy, and like you will, you almost like take a bite of the wine. Like you get it in your mouth, you get it to every single square piece of real estate in your mouth. You know, got a feeling, you got, and I see you looking out in the distance. What are you thinking when you're tasting a wine for the first time? You're kind of like, okay, oh, I'm going to figure this out. I'm, I'm seeing what I like. Do you kind of like, you know, like when you had a calculator, you hit the C button just to like kind of reset? Well, what are you thinking about when you're tasting a wine like this for the first time? I love watching you. 
I well, first you want to experience it and taste and feel the wine, but also you're really trying to, for me, just put my thoughts into words, whether I'm going to say them or just remember them, right? Because there aren't enough words in the English language to like really describe wine and what it does to us. You know, it's such a part of our life. Um, That's profound. And, yeah. and this wine. Like, love the fruit. Like, it's got great density in this core. But this is what I was getting at a minute ago. This has really resolved soft, nice tannins. They're there. Oh, right. You know, this but is a this dry, is, this is a big cap, this, but it's got beautiful, sexy round tannins. Yes, this was a well-managed ferment. You know, I love the way it wraps around your palate. Um, and But it's undeniably California. And it's undeniably Cabernet. You know, it's just got... It's just dripping with sunshine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I like that. You, you describe sure. wines really well. Yeah, it does, yeah. He's got to write your shelf talkers. It, like, it as, does. Maybe yeah. with like a different name or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to check out um, Robert Hall. They're on the east side. RobertHall.com? Uh, RobertHallWinery.com. RobertHallWinery.com. Mm-hmm. If people are going to come and visit right. you on the east side... An appointment, walk in. What are you doing? Uh, they, they can they can do both. They can make an appointment online. They can book the uh, the pairing menu. They can book the regenerative farming tour. They can book cabin tours, um, or they can uh, they can just turn up on the turn up on the day. We do recommend trying to make an appointment because it's uh, it's pretty busy on a Saturday and Sunday now. Um, so if you make an appointment early, it just ensures that you get. I seat. would really try, and I know there's some people that are trying to do their best to take you on a walk in, and some people who don't even say they'll take you on a walk in, they hate to say no to you and don't want to have to. But if you can make that appointment for uh, that winery that you want to come up and visit in Paso. Not only is it, uh, it's easier on, on, on them, but it's easier on you. You're going to have, they're going to be ready for you. A lot of times they'll be greeting you with something. Totally. Like, you get a, like a welcome splash of uh, rosé or right, sparkling. Right, right, right. And, and, and it, it's just more customizable. Yeah. So we can, we can take care of your little uh, 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 table talker with your name on it as an example. So right. it's just all those little touches that we can do um, just to make you feel special and have a, have a great time. But Start that connection. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Start the start the journey, and yeah. But hey, at the same time, if, if it's more of a, a random trip, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd love to yeah, host you as well. But yeah, it's just subject to availability. Especially if you're coming in out of town on the 46, it's a great you know great little stop on the way out. Pick up some wine before you go mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Hall's a beautiful place. Check it out, roberthallwinery.com. If you're on the west side and you want to hit up that first castle on the right, Tooth and Nail. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing our tastings right yeah. now? Yeah, hit us up online or call us to make an appointment to schedule your tasting. And we're also doing tours down in the cellar, toothandnailwine.com. Yeah, we've rebranded as Tooth and Nail Wine Company since uh, the beginning of the year. And we've got a bunch of wonderful stewards here that will take great care of you. You guys do the hospitality well. I remember I had from ever since like the old days when I first started coming here. And then, you know, there were some changes and as there are always in, in business and in wine and this business. And I first met Kane. Mm. It was so cool mm. to meet you. And like Likewise. we had our Likewise. first interviews like yeah, at, at the, the fair and stuff. Fair, that's right. And um, you did such a you such a great steward of, of this company as well. So it's really cool to not just see you again, but to see you back here. You know, even just as we're talking, some dude comes and, you know, gives you like a big hug on the way out like it's people are really excited to see you here and yeah obviously yeah. You're, a, you're you must be a very uh you know it must be a, not, you don't always have the best bosses in in the world you know and sometimes like teachers when you're a kid you have to stick it through 
the not the best bosses because you got to see the job get done and you got to do your responsibility. So to have a leader that is obviously uh, of your caliber where people, you know, miss seeing you, wanted to say hi to you, I think you're obviously, you know, a born leader and doing something really right. So good on uh, you. Thank you. It's, it's yeah, good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, this I mean, is a lot of fun, guys. I mean, uh, yeah. You guys down to play the wine game? Sure. You remember the wine game, right? I do. do you? No. Okay. I don't think he ever played I'll it. I'll explain it. You want to explain it? And we're here live. Okay, yeah, there's a male winery. What's that called? Is that called the resolve? Uh, no, the wine game. No, what I just did. Oh, the oh, you're talking about reestablished. Reestablished, yes. Re-establish. After we're getting into radio talk now. So, oh, okay, like, okay. when you're kind of reestablishing, hey, we're talking to, you know, uh, Kane Thompson. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he'll sometimes say, he's like, oh, that was a great reestablishment. So, give me a re <laughs> So, go ahead. Give me a reestablish and set things up for me. Go ahead. Okay. All right. And I'm here live with Adam Montiel and Kane Thompson on the Where Wine Tasty podcast. I'm Jeremy Leffert, the director of winemaking at Tooth & Nail Wine Company. I'm here with Adam Montiel and Kane Thompson, managing director of Robert Hall Winery. Damn, that was really good. Um, So the wine game is we go around and you have to say a brand, a winery in Paso Robles. And the first person to get, how long do you have? Three seconds. Three seconds. And the first person to either repeat one, repeat one or not get one. Is out. Is out. Okay. Okay. So I think we should put a little wager up. Mm. If if I win, I get to take a couple of these bottles with me mm-hmm. that we're drinking. Okay. And I don't know what you guys I think want. you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to go clockwise. The two things you can't do, like Jeremy said, you can't repeat one that's already been said. You can't pause longer than three seconds. So any Paso brand. Okay. Kane, we'll start with you. Epic. Booker. Justin. Brennan. Linne Colado. Saxon. Vina Robles. Halter Ranch. Tooth and Nail. One. Two. Say your name. Uh, Robert Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Great. We'll let him stay in for that one. Uh, Castoro. Um, All right, that's more than three seconds. You are out, Kane. You are out. Zaneda. Okay, so that's you and I. So this is the finals. It's Jeremy Leffert, winemaker, director of winemaking for Tooth & Nail Wine, versus Adam Montiel, where wine takes you, podcast host. You say Zaneda. I say Dose Robles. Peachy Canyon. Midnight. Via Creek. Chronic. Whalebone. Graveyard. Uh-oh. Everly. Oh. Desperada. Herman's Tory. <laughs> uh, St. K. Aaron. Uh, Wineshine. Monochrome. Monochrome, that's a good one too. Hubba. Ooh, Hubba Onyx. Oh, how about Barton Family? Great. I said Grey Wolf. Is that Yeah, cool? but it's technically different. Different, okay, different, okay, different, okay, different. Okay. Kaliza. Alta Kalina. Delecta. Hearst Ranch Wines. Chromavera. Are they Paso? Yeah. Are they? Well, they make wine in Paso. They do, Okay. Oh, yeah. Judges say they want another one. Levo. Okay. MCV. Um, Emercy. Rangeland. Ranchero Cellars. Anarchy. Villa San Juliet. Palatiri. Cypher. Um, Turtle Rock. Serrano. How about Ascension Ridge? Niner. Damn, you were going crazy. Um, Donna Tony. La Ventura. Law. Summerwood. The Naughty Family. Windward. Austin Hope. Dose Robles. I already said that oh! one. 
That was impressive. Wine game. I am like that was. I'm like sweating. I'm he like, had this house a few years ago, and who's that? You and Jeremy. Yeah. Got this house, and yeah. and Melissa and I came out there and we raised with you guys. Yeah. And we got. I got destroyed by you. That's a one game. Oh my god! Yeah, I was like futzing around and fumbling. It's tough. It's tough when you just put on your, yeah, just put on these spotlights. That that was fun. Yeah, and then everyone's kind of kind of got their own, you know, little go tos and like, yeah, little, or just like you do because I, I said he said Peachy has a chronic, and then I saw you going like just up and down, mm-hmm. you know, up and down the the forty six, yeah, you know, and geographically you just go down the road, yeah, <laughs> you know what you, I mean? Yeah, totally, sure. Yeah, no, yeah four lanterns, all that, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and what's funny is like we're sitting here naming a trillion of these. And then there are so many more, mm-hmm. you know. Like we could have just yeah. we could have gone forever when you when Is you think it, of them. What, over three hundred now in Pasadena. Yeah. yeah, wow! I can't tell you how much fun this was, gentlemen. You guys both have fun doing this. Yeah, it was yeah, awesome. This was awesome. Yeah, always fun. Good. Well, yeah. thank you for opening uh, your hearts and, and minds and time up for me. You guys have always both been so so kind to me. So I really appreciate you both. Great. Always. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Well, cheers, gentlemen. Love cheers. it. To where wine takes you. Yeah. 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 Where wine, wine takes you. Give me that mm-hmm sound, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. What a fun, fun conversation. And I'm excited I kicked ass with the wine game. <clears throat> totally made up for me finding out earlier that I was both older than those guys. Both of them are under 40. So much like under their belt already. It's unbelievable. I had so much fun with them. Loved how they enjoyed each other. And I can't wait to catch up with both of them again. Both fantastic wines and great places to visit on your next trip to Paso. Now, speaking of your next trip to Paso, hit up PasoWine.com before that next trip. So you can check all the boxes and make sure you've got everything you need to know before the next time you visit Paso Wine Country. We are open, baby, and we are waiting for you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you have not already, please share this with a friend. Hit that little weird square with like the arrow coming up. Like, Just text one person. If you text one person every time you listen to it, let's share it. Let's get it going. We are doing this together, and you are now part of the fastest-growing wine podcast in the nation and also one of the fastest-growing places and travel podcasts so thank you. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson of Paso Wine. Associate producer, Jen Bravo. Original music performed by Moonshiner Collective. Find them wherever you get your music at moonshinercollective.com. I understand they're going to be doing, now that music and things are kind of coming back, wineries are doing their thing. Uh, Moonshiner Collective is actually going to be hitting up different wineries and doing what they call an Under the Moon concert series. they got Mexican Blankets, all set out, super distanced and far apart. They're gonna, and they have the generators. They could be anywhere. They could be way deep outside in the vineyards. And one of the first concerts they're going to do is early March at Alta Kalina, right outside. Remember, we talked to Maggie from Alta Kalina about their trailer pond and those old school, like pimped out trailers. It is gonna be so cool. And I am beaming for some live music in a safe way right now. Again, check them out, moonshinercollective.com. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Thank you, thank you for being here. I love this time we can connect like this. If you ever see me 
in Paso Wine Country. Make sure you better say hi. Let's cheers to Paso, to good people, and to learning where wine's taking you. Cheers. And give me that sound, give bowing, pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Give me that sound, give bowing, pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Give me that sound, give bowing, pass on round till the job is Camped out in the trees who will simplify and good company.